It's another Saturday morning on CCO Radio when we talk cars, more specifically the problems you might be having with your car, your truck, your van, and you would like a little more information before you bring it in for service of what might be ailing. Well, there's a guy that we have on the radio. We're lucky to have him. He is an ASC certified technician at Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Nick Stoffel is with us. Nick, good morning. Good morning, Denny. How are you and how was your week? Week was good. It's a little wet out now, which is actually, I think, probably good. We haven't had much moisture for quite a while. Uh, it's strange, though. It was, what, 50 degrees this week in the middle of December, so you never know yeah. what's going to be thrown at us. You better be ready. Yeah, as a matter of fact, looking ahead at the uh, forecast, it's probably going to be back. Outside of Monday, it's probably going to be close to 40 or in the 40s this week. Yeah, to see that uh, rain falling, and you're right. We do need it and still need it. But in the meantime, if uh, you have any kind of a car care question, and we urge you to give us a call or send a text. Don't wait. Uh, Nick will be taking his leave about 745 this morning. I t- our time goes by rather quickly. So here's the number for either a phone call or a text, 651-461-9226. And Nick, already we were getting text messages uh, this morning. A lot of folks interested in it looks like maintenance uh, type of questions. But we'll take any kind of a car care question you you may have. Um, let me go back to the first one here. All right. Uh, hi, Denny and Nick. Wondering about changing brake fluid. Some shops say every three years or so. Others say as long as its color is good is fine. My Toyota is six years old. Never changed it. Uh, thank you. What do you think about uh, Mark's question? The, the, the brake fluid will absorb moisture, and there's a tester you can use to check the moisture content of it. Uh, if it's getting discolored and dirty, obviously there's a good reason. There is a schedule in your maintenance. Uh, or there, there, there's a, a date or a mileage in your maintenance schedule. Um, you know, three years is probably a pretty decent timeline or a good roundabout guide. Um, you know, like with most maintenance, there's going to be some variables. Uh, we oftentimes end up doing it when we do a brake job, which might be a nice interval, same thing you're at around 50,000 miles, depending on your driving habits and conditions. Uh, but it's important because that, that fluid, your brake system is a hydraulic system, so you need to have good, clean fluid that collects moisture. If it gets dirty, it can contaminate or even damage the seals in the braking system, which makes components fail. So check your schedule in your, in your owner's manual. Um, have you know, some in for service? I've checked the fluid. You know, if you look at the color, look at the history. It's a very good maintenance and that should be done. They're about three years, 50,000 miles is probably a pretty good timeline. I was uh, a little concerned initially, but then I thought, wait a minute, you guys have done brake jobs in my cars before, so I know you, you've already, I've already had it done, so I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, but there's another maintenance question. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, well, it's not a maintenance question. It's a gas filter. On today's newer cars, Texter says, where's the gas filter located and how often should that be changed? We've never talked about that, I don't think. Well, you know, it's fuel filters are mostly a theme of the past. Most fuel pumps have a screen or a, a way of uh, filtering the fuel so it doesn't kind of damage the pump. Um, but you know, it's changed from years ago. There used to be a threaded fuel uh, filter in the gas line that you'd actually thread out. Um, there used to be a little sock in the bottom of the fuel pump when they were in the tank. So there, 
with technology and time, things have changed, and it is it is correct. We don't have fuel filters in most vehicles, or so therefore there's no interval to change them. I was thinking too in years past about the the, the different vehicles that I've owned, and you're right. I, usually, you can check uh, the maintenance schedule in the owner's manual. Some cases I have been un- unable to find it, not not lately. But I've Googled, like a lot of things, I can Google uh, certain questions about uh, car maintenance. And it's amazing the information you can find there. Most of it's pretty good as far as that uh, topic. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's a good guideline. You know, the difficult thing with vehicle, and you may, you and I might have the same vehicle, but if our driving habits and conditions that are all different, that's going to create different wear and tear in, in the usage. You know, I mean, you know, we're talking about brake fluid or years ago there was fuel filters or transmission fluid um, in, in the usage, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about brake fluid or years ago there was fuel filters or transmission fluid. Um, all these things ha- have a, a maintenance schedule that has kind of a guideline, you know, I mean, if you're living in a dirt road, you're likely to need an air filter more often than I would if I live in the city. You know, so there's different conditions. The purpose of that maintenance schedule, number one, keep your vehicle under warranty. You know, there's you know different warranties and different requirements of maintenance to keep that intact. And, you know, the longevity of the vehicle, we don't want to forget about something. So the schedule is kind of a reminder, like, hey, every X number of years or miles, you need to have this looked at. It's not just replacements, but there's inspections also. So, you know, it's, you know, our, our vehicles are our, necessity, especially as we hit the winter months. So you want to do those little things to keep it on the road and keep it working properly. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, question, interesting question here. Good morning. Texter says, does any gas evaporate in the tank if a vehicle sits for more than a week without a person driving it? So fuel does evaporate. We have uh, emission systems, evaporative systems, that will actually contain those vapors. There's a canister that those vapors will make their way into, and it'll hold those vapors. And then when we're driving the vehicle again, there's what we call a purge, where the car's computer system will open a valve, and the engine will actually consume and burn those vapors. So they're not evaporated into your garage or the atmosphere. We're maximizing all, all, all the fuel within the vehicle. If you're just joining us, we're in the midst of CCO's Car Care Show. We're around every Saturday in the 7 o'clock hour, thanks to Nick Stoffel, who runs a place called Lloyd's Automotive on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. But again, our time goes by so quickly, Nick will take his leave in a little less than a half hour. So don't wait. Any kind of a car care question, it's always fun to hear you, either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. Light drizzle here in the Twin Cities. It's 38 degrees. We'll be back with more here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long, along with ASC Certified Technician at uh, Lloyd's Automotive, Nick Stoffel. Nick, uh, again, we get always get a lot of new listeners, and we appreciate that. And some folks might need the help from you and your crew at Lloyd's Automotive. How do we find you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you ever have a question or need some advice or guidance, uh, don't hesitate to give us a call, 651-228-1316. And then when it dries out, if you're ever for a walk on Grand, we're at the corner of Grand and Chatsworth, which is 982 Grand Avenue. And we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out our website at lloydsautomotive.net.
Very good. We'll get you that info before uh, Nick leaves us uh, this morning, which is about 7.45 or so. Nick, a bunch of texts coming in as we speak. Let's see how many folks we're going to help out this morning. Here's a 2008 Mazda Tribute. Uh, the tire pressure is adequate on all four tires, but after some trips of more than 10 miles, the sensor turns on, it resets the next day, and is off. The car has one light for all four wheels. What do you think is happening there? You know, that, that is true. A lot of the uh, older vehicles or the vehicles that have a few years on them with the system, these tire pressure systems, there might be just one indicator for the whole system. So that can be frustrating trying to figure out which which tire wheel is creating the problem. Um, it, it might be worth having, next time the light is on, stopping and having somebody check to see if all four sensors are reading. You might be able to catch it in the act. You can also check the pressures. If the pressure differential is enough, it might see the one tire different than the other three and flag that light. So it appears that it's not a, an issue where you're losing too much air or enough where you're going to end up with a low tire. Um, but I, I would probably, you know, and immediately been your next scheduled maintenance. Hopefully the light is on. You can talk with those folks ahead of time. They can scan four tires or try to uh, ping those four sensors and see which ones may not be reading and hopefully get that repaired and keep that light off for you. But it is repairable usually, right? Yeah, usually, um, you know, it's strange, to be honest, that to have the light come on after driving for a while. Typically, this time of the year when things cool down and our tires will kind of adjust a little bit and drop just below that threshold, that people will say, I started my vehicle, the tire light was on. Then as I was driving, the tires will heat up from driving. The pressure will increase enough, and the light will go off. So usually yeah. we just add a couple pounds of pressure to top them off, really. This is a little different where it's coming on after they're driving. So I'm suspecting that one of those sensors is losing its signal because the battery's low. And when it does that, the car doesn't read all four sensors, so it sees a problem, so it turns the light on. Oh, I see. All right. All right, another text. My Lexus GX460 calls for premium. Is it critical that I use that, or is regular octane sufficient? I know what you're going to say. So we get we get this question from time to time, and I get it. Premium fuel is really expensive. It depends on a lot of things, I guess. The vehicle, maybe where you're getting your fuel. I would say try it. The next tank of fuel, maybe go down one level. Go to the mid-grade. If the vehicle is operating fine, there's no pinging or detonation, no kind of funny noises coming from the motor. It seems to be operating fine. I think you're okay. I'm not sure you'll make it always down to the regular unleaded, but you can try it. You know, one tank of fuel is not going to damage the vehicle. The reason why a lot of these more refined vehicles might call for the higher octane is the way the engines are designed with the timing mechanisms that they need that higher octane to give the most performance, um, fuel economy, um, quality of idle and all that. So they want the higher octane fuel where the lower octanes kind of burn at a different rate. So you can try it, downgrade it to the mid-grade, see how it's operating. If it seems to work just fine, maybe the next tank of fuel you can try going back down to the regular unleaded. If it operates fine, you're not hurting anything. I suspect you're going to notice some of that pain or some little uh, disruption in the power or the acceleration of the vehicle. Then you need to go back up, you know, one, one to the mid-grade or even up to the premium. Yeah, well, it's, it's, maybe it's worth a test. Um Texter says this, 2014 Honda Accord. What would cause my backup screen, 
go very dim and my radio channels to go dim, but when I turn my lights all off on my switch, they're back to regular. Sometimes the screen goes back to normal. It's kind of intermittent. So those intermittent problems are tough for everybody, aren't they? Those are the toughest. Unfortunately, I suspect if there's something with the video screen itself and the backlighting, there might be something in that that unit, and it's probably serviced as a whole unit, meaning like if the screen is bad, if it's part of, uh, part of the panel, that piece of the panel uh, will probably be replaced as a whole. You know, those uh, backup cameras, to be honest with you, we don't see much problems with them at all. I mean, they seem to be pretty, pretty well designed and pretty foolproof. So if we're, if we're getting an issue where intermittently the, the, the backlighting on it or it's just not losing its, uh, can't see it, I suspect that the unit itself is starting to fail. All right. Call us with any kind of a car care question you may have, or you can send a text, 651-461-9226. Uh, here's another one for you, Nick. Uh, hi, it says I have a 2015 Kia Optima with about 113,000 miles on it. Running well, has had regular maintenance over the years. Lately, when the engine is hot and been running a while, I am picking up a smell that may be coolant. I'm not noticing any leak or residual under the car. Does this sound like maybe the heater core could be failing? The heat in the car is fine. Temp gauge is normal. That comes from Bob. Uh, what do you say to Bob in that? Could it be the heater core? I would say it's not the heater core. More likely, uh, you know, newer vehicles, there's a lot of lines and flanges and a lot of intersecting points where the antifreeze is entered and leaving the engine and put there. So I suspect that one of those little hoses, little coolant outlet or flanges, which are often plastic, it's starting to leak just a little bit, and maybe it's not enough to make it to the ground because as it goes across the engine, it evaporates, and that's what you're smelling because it's drying up that coolant on a hot engine. So that maybe next time you're in for service, get a special trip, tell them that like, hey, you know, I noticed after driving for a while, the vehicle's hot. I get a little smell of coolant. First in the vehicle, oftentimes you have those covers, those plastic covers off the engine. They can get in there with a flashlight in the mirror and kind of poke around a little bit and see what it is. Like I said, oftentimes it's just a small flange or a small hose that's just wicking or leaking just enough that you're noticing the smell, but not enough where it's leaking and making a mess on the ground or affecting the performance. Very good. Sounds good. Uh, Nick, hang on. We're going to take a break and take a look at that uh, CCO forecast. We have about 15 minutes or so left of the show, so if you have any kind of a car care question, we'd love to hear from you. Either call it in, you can chat with Nick, or if it's easier, send a text at 651-461-9226. Weather straight ahead here on Newstalk 830. This is WCCO. Expect some royal rain today here in the Twin Cities. Expected high near 40. We've uh, been at 38 all morning, as a matter of fact. Uh, 40 the high today. Cloudy overnight, low of 33. It'll be back to 38 tomorrow with partly sunny skies. Chilly Monday, although it is the mid, the mid-December. Sunny, 26 the high Monday, but then warming up again Tuesday. Near 38 with sunshine. Partly sunny Wednesday, near 42. Near 45 Thursday, and Friday, small chance of rain, partly sunny otherwise. Highs then, by the end of the week, near 44 degrees. Right now, humidity 89%. We have a southeast breeze at 7. 
Dew point 35, light rain, fog, mist still reported in Twin Cities. Our current CCO temperature hitting 38 degrees. Good morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long along with ASE certified technician from Lloyd's Automotive, Stick, uh, Nick Stoffel. Nick, we have, boy, the time goes by, as you well know. A uh, few minutes remaining in the show, and we have a bunch of text messages uh, from folks. Let's see how many we can g- get through here. Here's one. Our motor home has been sitting for seven months. It does not start. Oh, my. How should we address that problem? Thanks so much. It's a great question. I wish I had the great answer. Um, you know, we, I don't do much with motorhomes, but you're going to have to reach out to some folks that do service those vehicles and find a way to get it transported there. You know, I mean, we start with the battery, uh, the fuel. Um, you know, I, I don't know the conditions, obviously, but um, anytime any vehicle's not starting, we need air, fuel, and spark. So, um, you know, with for these, you know, this situation here, I would start calling around and seeing who, who can you refer to you a good, trustworthy, reliable uh, operation that can get a look at that for you? And, you know, the difficult thing is, you know, I don't know the conditions, but to have that thing towed probably won't be very inexpensive. So you better be somewhat committed to getting it back on the road and, and working properly. So I, I would just do my research. Um, and you know, I wish the best of luck to you. I wish I had a, the easy button for this one, but I don't. Yeah, it's not so easily towed for sure. Wow. What a problem. I think it's our first motorhome question of the show after all these years. Um, yeah, good luck with that. 2013 Kia Soul, a few weeks ago, blower on heater would intimately not work. Now the blower won't come on at all. What, what do you think the possible cause is, and is it expensive repair? You know, it, it depends. You know, it could be most likely would be like the switch. Resistor that controls the fan speed, actually, and then the fan, the fan, the blower itself, um, you know, the switches and the resistors were probably maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars. But a blower motor, depending on how it's designed and in, in placed, can be several hundred dollars. And when I say placed, because sometimes, if you recall, go if you're old enough, the blower motor used to be on the passenger side, right above your feet. And in those situations, you know, you used to tap on them, get them going again. Well, now they're off built into the dash, so it could be a multiple hour job. So. You know, it can be, like I said, a few hundred dollars or many hundreds of dollars, depending where it's located. Yeah, variables. Well, here's an interesting one. Uh, is there a law that prohibits auto repair shops from working on tires that are more than six years old? I took my car in this week to have my snow tires put on, and the garage says they could not install them because they were more than six years old and it was prohibited by law. They wanted me to buy new tires even though they acknowledge my tires still had more than 50% of their tread, showed no signs of damage or distress. The snow tires have very low miles on them. My car and the tires are in a temperature-controlled garage. It seems incredibly wasteful to have such a black-and-white rule that puts perfectly good tires into the waste stream. Tell me, is that law real? Not that I'm aware of. I do know some places have policies and some of that stuff because they get worried about liability. Um, you know, I don't think six years, I mean, it's got some years on it, but I don't think that's to a point where the rubber's deteriorated to the point where it's unsafe or not going to work well. I mean, you get you get something that might be 10 years old, and I might say, you know, I don't know how good I, 
feel about these tires or the, the integrity of them. But um, some companies have policies and understand, you know, they need to have a comfort zone where their guidelines are. Um, I think maybe that the conversation should have been like, these are getting kind of beyond our comfort. This is not something we'd like to install. Here's some of the reasonings. I'm not aware of a law. Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe one of our listeners is aware of it. Um, but, I, you know, I don't I, I, I don't know of it, but I would, uh, I would maybe ask around, maybe find another place. Maybe somebody will install those tires for you. Uh, yeah. If somebody knows if there is, it, it is or isn't, you know, let us know. But I'm not aware of it. All right. Well, you should know. Um, Texter says, is there a product? I know you guys do this at Lloyd's. Is there a product out there that will clear up cloudy headlights? Sure. A lot of products. There's a lot of products, a lot of infomercials. They all work in varying degrees, I would say. The way the process that we do it is that we will actually go through and remove all that oxidation where you're actually taking um, a wheel and four or five different variations of sanding them. So you start with very something a little more aggressive, kind of cut through it all, and then you kind of work back to polishing it clear. And it takes 45 minutes aside, so it's not very inexpensive. You'll see something on TV for 1995 plus handling. You can make your headlights like new. That's probably not going to work. Cut through all that stuff. Um, it could be a couple hundred dollar process. So it works. Now keep in mind too, when they were made originally, and your car is eight, ten years old, and now you're noticing that not as clear as they were, and you're having some difficulty seeing. If we go through and refinish those, I usually tell people the second go around, I would expect half the life as the original, mostly because we do put the polish on there, but it's not as nothing's the same as it was when it was new. So you won't get the full eight, ten year of clear scene, I would say. I would expect maybe something like half of that life. Okay. Don has a nice, uh, good question here. Uh, great show as usual. Thank you, Don, for that. Uh, Don wants to know, is there a special pattern to rotating tires with today's products? And what is the rule of rotating tires? You know, based on wear. You know, if you're getting a certain type of feathering wear or edge wear, sometimes you like to crisscross them. Sometimes you go forward to back. Sometimes, you you know, you'll see where you take the rears and put them forward to the front, and the fronts you cross them to the back. It really depends on how the tires are wearing. Uh, if you're getting some abnormal wear, when you cross the tires, you actually turn them so they're spinning the other, the other direction. If you can visualize that, is because the wheel is mounted out, when you go from the driver to the passenger side, you're flipping it over, so that way the, the, the pull on the tires is from the other, the other direction. So if you're getting some abnormal wear, a lot of times that'll kind of help straighten that out. If they're wearing well and you're not having any issues, oftentimes those go front to rear. So it it, it depends on what the tires look like, to be honest. I think we get time for one more quick one, Nick. Um, good morning. Why is the tire gauge on the instrument panel on newer vehicles not accurate? Not sure what the point of having it if, is uh, to, to be read if, unless uh, kind of scattered here. What do you think? Is, is that true? I find it to be pretty accurate. Well, it depends. You know, I, I guess m- maybe... They don't, you know, a lot of times it's not live, meaning that those sensors might check in every so often. So let's say you fire the vehicle up and says your tires are at PSI, and then you go drive the vehicle and you say, oh, they were low. You go to the station with the gauge and they haven't updated, but you've been driving so the tires are warmed up. So you have to keep in mind, you know, if it's a couple PSI, 
you know, we're, we're transmitting this through a little sensor to the computer, and it, it's not the same as, um, you know, at the shops we use electrical gauges. You know, the old gauge that we had that they used to, like, flick it and go in and out with a little spring, those aren't very accurate either. So unless you spend a decent amount of money on a, an electric gauge that's kind of calibrated, you know, you're kind of varying a couple PSI, which isn't a big deal. The tire pressures will constantly be changing the vehicle. So if you're within a PSI or two of whatever the reading is, you're just fine. I, would, I wouldn't go any further than that. Um, but it, it is a little frustrating trying to figure out exactly what the pressures are at. Yeah. Nick, we have to run. Uh, let's do this again next week if we could. I, I, I know it's the day before Christmas Eve, but uh, I think uh, we can get together, right? Sounds like a plan to me. All right. How do we find you guys at Lloyd's Automotive? Once again, if you have any questions or need any advice, don't hesitate to call 651-228-1316. And when it dries up here, it's going to be a warm week if you're Walking along Grand Avenue, do a little shopping for the holidays. Feel free to stop and say hi. We're at 982 Grand Avenue. And I'd really appreciate it if you check out our website at lloydsautomotive.net. And we'd appreciate it if you come back next week, Nick. The deal. All right. Thank you. Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive. Jack Farrell's Wine Chat is straight ahead. Then get those lawn and garden questions ready for Julie Wise and Horn next hour. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO.